Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. Well, today we're we're looking at the second in a message, a couple of messages dealing with uh, a faith that heals. And I want to begin by telling you about there was a, a nun, you know, wearing her full traditional uh, habit, and she was working for a, a local home health care agency, and she was making her rounds when her car ran out of gas. And there was a gas station just down the street, so she walked to the gas station with the hopes of borrowing a can that she could put enough gas in to get her car started so she could then drive to the gas station. Well, the attendant apologetically said that he had loaned out the only can that he had and it had not come back. And so he didn't know exactly when it would be back. And so she she was needing to see patients. And so she walked back to the car and started digging around, rubbaging around in the car, looking for something that maybe she could put enough gas in uh, to, to get the car started. And as she's digging around, she came across a bedpan. And she thought, I can put gas in that. So she went back to the gas station and she put some gas in the, in the bedpan and carried it back to the car. And as she's pouring gas from the bedpan into the, the car, two men happened to be walking by and seeing her pouring, using a bedpan, pouring into the car, one of them says to the other, now that's what I call faith. <laughs> Today, we are looking at a faith that heals. And just real quick summary, I want to remind you that healing was a major part of Jesus's ministry. In Matthew 4, 23, it tells us that Jesus went everywhere teaching, preaching, and healing people who had all kinds of diseases and sicknesses. And remember, of the 37 miracles that the Bible records that Jesus did, 28 of those were healings of some form or another. Jesus was a teacher, he was a preacher, and he was a healer. Now, Jesus is no longer walking the face of the earth, but his desire to heal has not changed. Hebrews 13.8 tells us that Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. So let's look at a faith that heals. And we're going to use James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18 as our text. 
It says if you are having trouble, you should pray. If you're feeling good, you should sing praises. If you are sick, ask the church leaders to come and pray for you. Ask them to put olive oil on you in the name of the Lord. If you have faith when you pray for sick people, they will get well. The Lord will heal them. If they have sinned, he will forgive them. If you have sinned, you should tell each other what you've done. Then you can pray for one another and be healed. The prayer of an innocent person is powerful and it can help a lot. Elijah was just as human as we are, and for three and a half years, his prayers kept the rain from falling. But when he did pray for rain, it fell from the skies and made the crops grow. Remember in that passage, and, and again, this is still kind of review, that in these six verses I just read, James mentions prayer seven different times. So if you're taking notes, if you're paying attention, if you haven't drifted off to sleep yet, circle the word prayer or praying because seven times in six verses, he mentions that. What's the point? The point is, is that healing comes through prayer. Prayer is the source of healing. Now, what I'm going to do is ask four questions, and, and these four questions are answered in this, in this text. And the four questions are, when should I pray for healing? Why aren't people healed every time we pray? Who can pray for healing? And how do I pray for healing, whether for myself or for someone else? Now, number one, when should I pray for healing? Well, in this passage, James mentions some specific situations. First, he says, if a person is hurting. So if you're having trouble, if you're, if you're suffering, if you are hurting, if you are going through a tough time. And then he says, are you sick? Well, again, if you are ill, if you are weak. And then he said, he talks about the sick person. So someone who is ill, someone who is worn out, someone who feels like giving up, throwing in the towel. Um, and then he talks about Elijah and he says that Elijah prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then when he did pray, it did rain. Now, some of you right now are going through a drought, if you will, in, in your life. You're going through a spiritual dry spell. You're going through an emotional dry spell. Your, your life, it feels like it's just dried up. And so based on when we should pray for healing, anytime you're hurting, anytime you're sick, anytime you're tired, anytime you're empty, anytime, uh, you know, th that you are experiencing that, that emptiness of, of soul or in spirit, or when your health is, is worn out, when your health is broken, <clears throat> that's when you pray for healing. Now, some of you are thinking, well, heck, that, that's me. You know, you've just described the way I feel. Well, then it's time to pray for healing. It's, it's time to, to come to God and say, God, I, I need you to do a work in my life. Now, the next question is, why are not people healed every time we pray? 
Well, I think there's a couple of answers there. And, and the first one is, is a lack of believing God for, for that is, is one of the reasons. In James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, it says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Now, I recognize that this scripture is talking about coming to God and asking for wisdom. But the principle that is applied here is universal. If we come to God and we're asking for help of any kind like healing, and we don't really believe that God is going to help, that we, we really don't believe God wants to help, we don't really believe God's going to answer the prayer, then don't expect him to. You know, it, it makes no sense to come to God and say, I really don't think you're going to answer my prayer, but I'm going to do it anyhow. Uh, then what this is telling us is don't bother doing that. Now, we talked last time about one of the errors that people have when it comes to, to healing. And one of the errors is that people believe that, that we should never be sick and, and that it's just a, a matter of having enough faith and you'll never be sick. This is not the same situation. Believing God will hear and answer our prayer should be a normal part of our lives. We are his children. He loves us. He cares about us. And so we should expect God to respond to us when we pray. And that's, that's a very biblical mindset. Believing that we should never get sick is not biblical that, you know, that it's, it's, it's silly to think that we should never get sick. And it's just a matter of, of scrounging up enough faith and, and somehow we'll never, never get ill. Now, the second reasons our prayers are not answered is we simply don't know God's plan or God's purpose. You know, God can use our illness in many different ways. We have a very limited perspective. Our view of the world is kind of like using a straw to look out at the world. You know, you, you are very limited in what you can see. So when we come to God and we are asking God for healing, um, all we can see is our very limited focus, our very limited perspective. And, you know, quite honestly, when we're praying for healing, all we want is that sickness to go away, you know, that problem to go away. And God says, pray the desires of your heart, but then have faith enough to trust me that I know what I'm doing and that my will will be done. Sometimes God allows sickness, and, and there's several different reasons. 
Sometimes God allows sickness in order to get our attention, in order to redirect the, the direction that we're headed in. Psalm 119 verse 71 says, It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Sometimes God will use an illness to slap us upside the head and say, hey, pay attention. You're, you're headed the wrong direction with your life. Another really good verse along those lines is Proverbs 20:30. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I suspect more than one of us could give some testimony just using that verse. God will use sickness to discipline us, to redirect us, to refocus the, the attention or the direction that, that we're headed. Now, sometimes God will use sickness to, to act as a testimony to other people. He knows that through sickness, you will be a godly example to other people, especially to unbelievers. Paul says in Philippians 1 verse 12, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has helped spread the good news. Now, what had happened to Paul? He was in prison. He was sick. He was in miserable shape. And he's saying this has turned out to be a good thing because God is using it to spread the gospel. Charles Stanley, I have heard him say this before, that anything that drives us to our knees is a blessing. And God can use when we are driven to our knees. Now, as Christians, we're not exempt from problems. You know, we, we have the same problems that everybody else has. What is supposed to make us different is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Our relationship with Christ strengthens us and comforts us and encourages us and it gives us hope and gives us wisdom. And so God will allow sickness to come into our lives because he can use that illness that we go through to be an example of godliness to the people around us. Now, if you're like me, you're sitting there thinking, honk that nonsense. Let someone else be sick and leave me alone. You know, that that's a normal response. But here's the issue. Here, here's the question that, that we need to answer. Are we living to serve God and glorify him? Or do we think that God is there just to make our life easier? And if that's our mindset, then the question really is, who do you think is God in your relationship with him? Because if we think God is there just to make our lives happy, then we're playing God and we're trying to push God into a subservient role to us. Now, Jesus talks about this situation here in John chapter 11, verse 4. Remember Lazarus? Jesus was notified that Lazarus was sick. 
And Jesus says, "Mm, okay, thanks. And he doesn't do anything. And he hangs around a few days and Lazarus dies. And when Jesus finally shows up several days later, people are kind of like, hey, why didn't you get here sooner? You know, Lazarus has been dead for a couple of days. And this is Jesus' response is this sickness will not end in death. It is an illness for the glory of God to bring glory to the son of God. Did you know God wants to use you to bring glory to himself? If you are griping, if I am griping or complaining and I have just this raunchy attitude, then there's no glory going to God. So when we have hardships in our life, when we have difficulties, when we have sickness, when we have any kind of illness or problems that come into our life and we handle it in a godly way, it brings glory to God. So there's sometimes sickness that's used to discipline us or to redirect us. Sometimes sickness is used to bring glory to God. And then here's the the last one. Sometimes God allows sickness in order to let us die, in order to let us go into eternity. You know, think about it. If we really could be healed of every illness just by having enough faith, then conceivably some people would never die. You know, if if everybody was supposed to have just enough faith that they never get sick, then we would never die. Well, that's not God's will. You know, this life is a vapor. It is short. It is eternity that that is the real show. And we need to have a mindset that is 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 aware of that. Hebrews 927 says every human is appointed to die and then to face God's judgment. Every single one of us is going to die. I, you know, I'm not trying to be morbid, but that's the reality. And so to think otherwise or to to act like that's not a reality is is ignorant on our part. God has already appointed that time for each and every one of us when he is going to take us home. If we are born again Christians, if we have Christ in our life, then stepping into eternity is a wonder. It is a great thing. And we need to have that understanding. So when we pray, we ask God to heal. We ask God to make well. But then we also understand that God has a a purpose and a will that, that he wants and needs to accomplish. And it may be in some situations that that God's desire is to bring a person home. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, it says, This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will. Notice that when we pray, we're praying according to God's will. And as I said at the very beginning, prayer is the, the foundation where things happen. It is through prayer that we 
connect with God. And so we need to be people of prayer. Now, the third thing is who can pray for healing? Uh, you know, that, that seems pretty obvious, but I want to spend a little bit of time here. Any child of God can pray for healing. We come to our heavenly father and we say, you know, daddy, I'm sick. I need your healing. I, I need you to make me well. Or we pray on the behalf of someone else. In James 5, 16 and 17, it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power to produce wonderful results. So the earnest prayer of a righteous person it doesn't say you need to be a super saint. It doesn't say that you need to be up there on a level with Mother Teresa or something like that. You need to be a believing person and you need to be earnest about it. In Christ, we are righteous. And so if you are in Christ, then you can come to God and you 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 pray on behalf of those who are sick. And he uses Elijah as an example. Elijah was just a guy, just like we are, just normal people. He suffered from the same issues that you and I suffer from. He struggled with the same temptations that you and I struggle with. He was just a regular guy. But because he came to God and he believed and he prayed, he was able to stop the rain for three and a half years. And then when he prayed, then that was then the, the, the rain came. He prayed according to God's will. Now, if God only heard the prayers of perfect people, then nobody's prayers would ever be heard. He hears the prayers of sinners who are made right in Jesus Christ. Earlier, James says you can call the elders to your church to pray for you and to anoint you with oil. Now, we do that here at Park Baptist Church. And, and you know, what he's talking about here, he says that you anoint with oil. Now, oil is just a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I, I want to make real make sure we're clear. Just like when we baptize, the water isn't special. It's brook-filled water. You know, it's just water. But it is a symbol of our death, burial, and resurrection. So the water becomes a symbol. And that's what oil is when we pray for someone and anoint with oil. All we're doing is we are, we are saying we are placing our trust in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And the oil is symbolic of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There is no special power in the oil. You know, so don't go off buying some super duper whiz bang oil that, you know, was twice blessed in Israel or something like that. You know, you can use good old fashioned great value canola oil. It's not the oil. Now, there are 
scriptures all through the, the, the New Testament and the Bible that say that we are to pray for each other and pray for healing for each other and even to anoint each other in the name of Christ. So as your pastor, I deputize each and every one of you. You are now designated prayers and healers. All you have to do is pray for each other and anoint each other in oil. That is, that is our responsibility. And I, and I want to say this. I, I want to I make sure you hear this. We're supposed to do this as the church of Jesus Christ. This is what is known as fellowship. Fellowship is coming together and supporting each other and lifting each other up and carrying each other and, and, and bearing one another's burdens and, and being there for each other. We have got to break this old mindset of church where you come and you sit, and then when you go home, you evaluate how good a job the preacher did, whether he was on or off, and how good the music was, and did you hear that one lady, the way she screeched when she hit the high note? You know, we've got to break that mindset. That's religion, and religion is death. There is no salvation in religion. Religion leads to hell, not to heaven. We are to be in fellowship together, helping each other through the difficult times, through the hard times, not pushing each other under when we're struggling. And, and when someone does something we don't approve of, we stab them in the back and we shoot them in the kneecaps and we, we, we do everything we can to try to, to run them down. That's not godly behavior and it has no place in the church. Now, if this was an amening church, I heard some amens there. Now, Jesus said in John 14, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, what was Jesus doing? He was healing. He was teaching. He was preaching. He was loving people. Now, I have said this before. When I'm up here preaching, I'm talking to myself 99% of the time, and you all are just listening in on the conversation. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching at me. And God just uses my own issues to convey to everybody. I don't see people doing greater works than Jesus. I'm not doing greater works than Jesus. I can honestly say I have never once walked on water. Um, there have been times in my life where I thought I could, but 
So, so what does Jesus mean when he says that we will do the works he's been doing and even greater things? How, how, how can that be? It did, was he wrong? No, this is, this is what I think we, we understand. When Jesus was walking the earth, he was one guy and he could only be in one place at one time. But now that he has gone to the, gone to the father and we have the Holy Spirit indwelling each and every believer Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, is all over the world. They're, they're, the body of Christ is in China. It's in Europe. It's, it, it's not in France, but it, it's, in, you know, it, it's in Africa. The body of Christ is global. It is everywhere. And when Jesus was here, the Holy Spirit wasn't everywhere. It was just with Jesus. And so now we are spread all over the world. And so we can teach and we can preach and we can pray for healing globally rather than in one spot. We are in every country, every city, every state, every province around the world. And that's how we are able to do greater work than what Jesus was able to do. The body of Christ is everywhere. So now finally, how do we pray for healing? Whether it's for ourselves or whether it's for someone else, how do we pray for healing? Well, the first thing is we need to make sure that our heart is clean from sin. You know, we need to get the garbage out. That's the starting point for everything. I can't have unconfessed sin in my life and then turn around and be praying for somebody else. You know, that short circuits the relationship that I have with God. And so verse 16 says, confess your faults to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. Confess your faults, clean out your life, get the garbage garbage out of your life. Now, we're never going to be perfect. We're never going to be sinless this side of eternity, but we can confess and, and get our lives cleaned out. And so then once we do that, we're in better position to pray. The second thing is, is be specific when you pray. Don't be afraid to tell God what's on your heart. In James 4, 2, it says you don't have because you don't ask, you know, so so we come to God and we say, God, you've told us in your word to ask and you've told us to pray for healing. So so I'm obeying you. I'm I'm asking you to heal this person or I'm I'm asking you to heal me. And, and, and Jesus, I, I'm I know that it's up to you, that it's not me that's doing it. And so I'm coming to you and I'm asking you to to take hold in this situation and and it's it's not my power it's your power and so you you just come to God and you're specific you know lord help this person with their liver issue or help this person with their infection or help this person with their depression you know whatever the issue is pray for it specifically 
And then the third thing is ask in faith. And I know I touched on it earlier, but I want to just real quickly in James 1, 6, it says, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt for the double minded man is unstable in all of his ways. If you don't think God is going to heal, then if you don't believe, then don't ask because you're wasting your time. Why is that? Because God has made specific promises in his word. God has said, I will do this. And so if we see that God will said he'll do it, and then we turn around and say, eh, I don't think he'll do it. Why would God respond to that type of faithlessness? So what I want to do in, in closing right now is that each of us come with issues. Each of us have problems and struggles that we're dealing with. You know, if you have a relationship that needs to be healed, if you have a physical ailment that needs to be addressed, if there's maybe something mentally going on, you know, depression or anxiety or, or something like that, maybe you have a financial issue going on. What I want you to do is I'm going to pray for you and we're going to trust God to bring healing. And so as I pray, I, I want you to lift up what is on your heart that, that you and God need to bring, bring out. So let, let's pray. Lord, I don't know what any of the issues are that are being brought before you right now. And I don't need to know. What I do know is you and that you are the great physician. You are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And so, Father, we come before you this morning with these issues that are, are being dealt with. And I bring them before you. You have told us to bring our, our problems to you for healing. And so, Lord, these prayers are being lifted up even now. And I pray for healing, Father, in the relationships, in the finances, in the mental health, in the physical health. God, whatever the, whatever the issues are, I pray for healing right now. I bring them before you in faith, knowing that you and you alone are the source of, of healing. God, I thank you because I know that you are a good and loving God and that there is nothing that, that we can have done to make you turn your back on us and say, I, I refuse to help this person. Thank you, Father, that when we come to you struggling, come to you hurting, you respond and I pray that all of this be done so that you will be glorified, not us, but you, so that you will be honored, so that er each and every one of us can say, look what God has done in my life. Look at the healing he has brought. Look at the change that he brought to my life. Thank you, Father. And I pray all of this to the glory of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name I ask and pray. Amen.